I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For multiple bonus shows per week and access to our full podcast archive featuring in-depth interviews, movie commentaries, and live shows, please check out the Steel Wars Patreon podcast feed. The content club level is just $3 a month and is chock full of Star Wars fun and really helps the ongoing production of the show. All the bonus shows download into your podcast app like any other show. Give a month a try at patreon.com forward slash Wars. Link is in this episode's show notes. And if you do, hit us up for a question for the weekly Patreon Q&A. And now, on with the show. I really hope you enjoy it. A Caravan of Courage is a much-beloved yet often forgotten part of the Star Wars universe. In 1984, fresh off the heels of Return of the Jedi, George Lucas penned A Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure for screening on America's ABC television and theatrical runs in other parts of the world. The family adventure centres around the Tawani family who had crash-landed on the forest moon of Endor. On this episode of Steel Wars, the film star Eric Walker talks to us about the adventures on set with the likes of Warwick Davis, Ron Howard, Linda Ronstadt, and of course, George Lucas. Was George Lucas around? Like, he was around. Because he was the dark man. I, I like that, that he was like this executive producer that never got like mentioned. But uh, at what point did you meet him? I think I met him, I would, it was sometime during the first week of filming. Mm-hmm. Um, again, going back to Amanda Lucas, um, it was her first day of preschool, and he wanted to surprise her, so he brought Amanda Lucas to the set, but she didn't know that the Ewoks were played by people, so he asked if all the Ewoks could get in costume, so <laughs> that, you know, she would think still think they're real. Yeah. That's so. Amazingly rad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yub nub, everyone. This is Steel Wars episode 200, live at the Scum and Villainy Cantina, Eric Walker, and Tales from Caravan of Courage. This episode of Steel Wars is also available in full video at youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. The link is in the podcast show notes. Treat those eyes. Treat them. Live from the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood, it's Steel Wars Live, episode 200! Please welcome your host, Steel Saunders! Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders. And I do love Star Wars! Now, it's episode 200, which sounds kind of impressive, yeah? 200 episodes. But then what someone pointed out to me is like, oh, you've done all these bonus shows. You should count them up as well and work out how many episodes you've really done. 
So it's actually episode 487, <laughs> which is a little less impressive and a bit more depressing, really, when you think about it. So what are you going to do? Welcome to the prestigious episode 487, guys. It's, uh, it's thrilling to be here. But one thing that has remained the same, you know, opinions have changed, our views of Star Wars have maybe matured over the 200 episodes or whatever, but one thing that's remained the same, and that's Ewoks. I've always loved the Ewoks. From episode one to episode 200, it's, it's all been about the Ewoks. So very exciting to have Eric here to talk about A Caravan of Courage. Has, has anyone not seen A Caravan of Courage? You haven't? You haven't? Oh, you, you just don't know what you're in for. I watched it last night and I hadn't seen it for maybe 20 years. I watch it every week. No, I, I, I haven't seen it by 20 years. And I sort of expected to not like it as much because I thought it would be like the holiday special sort of thing. But I had a great time. It was a caravan of courage. And I... If anyone that was following me on Twitter saw today, a, a few people tweeted me and it's, it's raining in LA, which means you can't leave the house or something. And someone tweeted me just like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't cross the 91 today in this weather. So I retweeted that with a caravan of no courage. <laughs> it's what an insult to those little Ewoks that had the, the might to go across Endor to save Sindel's parents. Caravan of uh, cowardice. More like. Thank you, Rashad. The right. producer, Rashad, everyone. Give him a round of applause. I haven't seen it either. You don't do research for the show? Uh, not, uh, yeah, no. Maybe you spent less time stapling logos to your denim top. These are pinned, not stapled. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to offend you. Did there not... is a distinct uh, difference there. What's the difference? The, it's not permanent. Staple it, it's permanent. Then do I can't wash this. How often do you move them around? All the time. I, I, for this episode in particular, I laid out all my pins with the jacket and thought to myself, today's a special day. I got to bust out all the stops today. So, today. so before today's show, you laid out your jacket and did all the pins, took a lot of time that could have been spent watching A Caravan of Courage. <laughs> okay, well, that's a shame. That's a real shame. Now, uh, let's... Bring up our guest. But uh, it is thrilling to have today's guest. It is, uh, I, I think, to, to little me in the cinema in Rosebud in Australia watching uh, the Ewoks go on adventure and, and to, to be sitting, or actually to think I'd be alive at this age when I was a little kid is daunting in itself. But to think I'd be alive sitting next to this man talking about Ewoks would make me want to grow up, something I very much feared to do. Please welcome our guest for episode 200. It is Eric Walker. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, Eric. How you doing, man? How are you? I, um, you, you had a, a, a bit of a blast from the past in the audience tonight. I did. I did, and that was that was a great surprise. My uh, my agent, Judy O'Neill, is here. So, she was uh, on the Ewok set. She was my guardian, and uh, you know her daughter uh, and I were close friends. We've been friends for over thirty-five years. Shana O'Neill. So yeah, the geek girl great. diva that's been yes. on the Steel Wars awesome. podcast a fair few times. Yeah, 
So that was great. Is Shayna's mum here to collect? Like, are you, have you? Yeah, got, she's here to collect all the residuals. That you haven't paid yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Getting some of that sweet Ewok coin yeah. that you didn't hand over? Unfortunately, that Ewok coin stopped a long time ago since uh, we're not canon any longer. So, Ah, so like when they brought out the DVDs, did you get a, a, a bit of that Endor coin? That or? was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was okay. Okay. Uh, We've got to get that. Mo- we'll talk about that later on, but we've okay. got to get this movie um, like back into circular. Look, it's, it's, it's disgusting that people who's priorities in life are so out of whack that they come to a Star Wars podcast on a Saturday afternoon also have not watched an Ewok adventure like <laughs> come on you doing saber training got to get into that Ewok adventure i um like Ewoks are so special to me like my i, I got a persian cat okay. because it looked like an Ewok all right do you know what i mean i my my childhood teddy <laughs> bear was an Ewok and, and I named my firstborn son after an actor that once awkwardly got hugged on the leg by an Ewok. Okay. Probably not Harrison Ford's biggest claim to fame, but still, for me, that, that was it. But I, uh, when you are just like walking around, you're in Target, right? Uh-huh. You're doing the daily shop, the weekly shop, the monthly shop. I don't know okay. how, how often you shop. I don't want to get into your private life too much. <laughs> but you're walking around and you see like a Funko Pop or a, a teddy bear of an Ewok these days. Like, yeah. like what, what pops into your mind? I just want to just take it and smash it and throw it on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. God, is it, he's already turned into a hostile interview subject. <laughs> You know, um, you know the, those Ewok characters. You know, as Mace Tawani said in *Caravan of Courage*, they're animals. They're walking hairbrushes. You know, that line. Yeah. Like I watched the movie last night, and we had to rewind it to like, what, what, what did he say? Yeah. But he's they're walking hairbrushes. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. They're like they might need a hairbrush, but they're not walking hairbrushes. Yeah. It must have been because. Uh, the guy who wrote the script was George Lucas's nanny. So, really? Yeah. George Lucas's nanny. Yeah. Wrote the script. Yeah. Bob Caro was used to um, be the nanny for Amanda Lucas. So. And he wasn't very good at analogies or metaphors or. <laughs> well, uh, the movies were made because you know Amanda loved the Ewok movies, so George was making the two Ewok movies for his daughter. So that's how that all came about. So. Yeah. As, like. I, I sort of used to get, like, when they, like, Jar Jar or whatever, and, and, like, oh, they put Jar Jar in, and Jar Jar did all this because Jet Lucas thought it was really cute. And, uh-huh. and, and, and like, how he sort of would do stuff to please his kids. Sure. It, it used to annoy me. Like, uh-huh. it was just like, but me, I'm watching <laughs> it. But, but now I'm a dad, and now okay. I can say things like, as a father, and I'm, I'm so mature now, you guys. <laughs> but now I think that's kind of rad. Like he's, yeah. got, he's got this billion-dollar franchise, cool? and it's like, but what do you want me to do? Okay, fine. That's great. He's a cool dad. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. What Could th- you imagine being a kid like you know Jet and be able to go all around and get on the Millennium Falcon and go through you know the, all the old? Uh, I couldn't toys imagine. And stuff. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. My dad was a chef, right? <laughs> right. But he still wouldn't cook what I wanted. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. So annoying. He didn't want macaroni and cheese? I just wanted spaghetti okay. every night. Please, <laughs> spaghetti every night. So, but, but seriously, when you, when you see, like, some Star Wars merchandise or an Ewok, do, do you really want to, like, smash it? Or no, no, no. I was just joking. Okay. Yeah. 
You said upset. I'm very like I'm 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 pretty like tough about most things, but I'm very like Ewok sensitive. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, okay. It's like this is a, this is a special time for me. I remember. Well, that's great. There's a lot of Ewok haters out there, so it's well, nice that's to meet thing. someone that's not. So I I, I talked. Um, I, I've told this story a few times on the podcast, but I never knew you could not like Ewoks. Like cause right. so, when Return of the Jedi came out, I was sure. like, it was like one of the first movies I ever saw. And it wasn't until I went to a convention in Australia in the 90s and Ewoks came up in a panel and people at the back went, boo. And I looked around and I was like, wow. oh. How rude. People don't like how oh, – that's a possible thing. But I, I've since found out it's, it's very possible. Yes. But um, what – like, but what do you what like what do you what pops in your head when you think about Star Wars when you see something well, Star Wars? Do you think about your time filming or is it is it that far gone? Uh, no, I mean at that time it was a very magical time. I mean I knew what Star Wars was, so I had seen Return of the Jedi and the Ewoks. Um, actually, Star Wars Return of the Jedi was my first Star Wars movie. Okay, because at that time I was uh, I wouldn't say I was too young, but I wasn't really going to the movies a lot, so. I had heard of Star Wars, but Return of the Jedi was the first Star Wars movie I saw. And at that time, they didn't have you know video or DVD or Blu-ray and stuff like that. So you had to go to the movie theaters to see it. So Yeah, it is yeah. so weird now to think, like, because I saw Star Wars and then I saw Return of the Jedi. Right. And then I saw Empire Strikes Back just uh -huh. because of the like when films were coming out and we didn't have video or anything like that. But now you could just like... I haven't seen Empire Strikes Back here. It's it's on my phone. Like people, it's it's, <laughs> right. it's like it's such a different time. But was was seeing Return of the Jedi like confusing for you? Like like Han, like this guy Han Solo is already frozen. No, it wasn't confusing to me because uh, it was still a very good story. It was still a complete story that yeah. they made, so it wasn't very confusing. Um, and the thing that I remember seeing uh, Return of the Jedi was, I thought it was so cool that when the Star Wars name came up and the music started everybody started cheering and clapping and i go wow this is going to be a great movie everybody's already <laughs> cheering and it just started <laughs> so that, that was my first experience that is that, what so that is one of my most cherished things in life like when a new star wars film is out and just that like everyone knows right. what to do like when that logo comes up it just you know like cheer for this cheer for that i i I love that opening night sort of um, like tradition. Sort yes, of it is for sure. So when um, like they brought out like Solo and uh, Rogue One, and they didn't have that at the start, I was like, "Oh, you've <laughs> you've cheated me out of that 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 one yeah. cheer." I, yeah. I, I love that. Um, they, they didn't have it in Caravan of Courage, but they still had the the Fox fanfare. Not a, a, on the well. You're in. You're from Australia, so you did get a seat in the movie theaters. Yeah. So you heard the fan, Fox fanfare come. And the Lucasfilm logo come up, but it didn't say Star Wars. But yeah, yeah. I, seeing the Fox fanfare is not in my memory, but I okay. I, I would say last night it uh -huh. was definitely there. And yeah, it, and it starts with the old school green Lucasfilm yes. Limited like logo before. Yes. Now they've got the swishy one that opens it, but it used to just be that green font, which yep. it was so weird watching it last night because that font, I don't know, it just means entertain like. You're about to have two hours of a pretty good time. Yeah, you know you're I mean? going to... And yeah. I did have a pretty good time, you know. Thanks. Were you an Ewok fan in Return of the Jedi? What did you think? Because I, I, I sort of looked it up and it, I would have guessed you're a, 
maybe about 13. I was 14 when they did that movie. Okay. And, and that's sort of on the verge of getting into that rich, I don't like Ewok age. From the, all the people I've talked to, <laughs> like I was in, like Ewoks were made for me. Like I right. was just like, I got the teddy bear. They were the best thing ever. But from people I've spoke to that were maybe like eight when Star Wars came out. Right. And then Empire they loved. And then maybe they'd sort of grown out of that Ewok appreciation age. But what, what was your thoughts pre-Caravan of Courage on the Ewoks? Um, I thought they were cute, you know. They looked like teddy bears. And um, I think Mace says, calls them teddy bears too, I think, at uh, one point. But I, I had great I – thought I thought that the storyline and how the Ewoks, you know, being such a primitive species and how they were able to overtake – you know the stormtroopers and the empire. I thought I thought it was great. Uh, you know I think they did a great job on how they how they put that all together. They, they made it very believable. You know having, you know how they had to do their own. You know those logs that you know, you know tripped up the the ATs and stuff like that. So it was all seemed very believable to me. I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I like the all the like the traps they said and uh-huh, the swimming exactly. wood and all that. I was I love it. It's yeah. like the 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 best episode of the A Team ever, which yeah. is. A reference, probably best <laughs> for the 80s. Yeah. I, I actually, I watched on YouTube um, yesterday, I was seeing what stuff was up about A Caravan of Courage and stuff, and I'm not sure if this is a genre of YouTube videos, but someone put up a compilation of all the advertisements that played in A Caravan of Courage. Like when it was on television? Yeah, but yeah. none of the movie... But all the ads. So it's got like the, like, you know how TV, when it would go to the ad, it would have like the slide of yes. what the show was you were watching and then it would go to the ads. So right. it starts with that uh-huh. and then it has four ads and then it goes back to the slide. So there's some genre where people just edit out the film <laughs> and just put in the ads. And, and there's this new burger called the McDLT that looks super good. If you're in 1984... It looks like quite a burger, so... Yeah. Well, I'm sure watching those co- commercials, you feel really dated, so, yeah. No, I don't feel... I felt contemporary. Like, these guys are, like, in their high-strung jeans spinning around <laughs> over this 40-year-old burger. I, I, I felt quite hip. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it, nothing's made me feel younger than you watching those You want to work out, like, with Jane Fonda? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who wouldn't have? Set up, like, where you were in acting during that time. Like, I, I, I sort of read a few interviews with you and you uh, you did a guest thing on Webster. Yeah, Webster was a, a television series on, which happened to be on ABC as well. I was on the third episode, uh, so I, I, I way back in the very beginning, that was before just it became really famous, that show. Oh, so Webster yeah. wasn't big then? It wasn't out when I worked on it. It uh, was com- It was coming in the fall. So when I actually did the episode, nobody knew who Emmanuel Lewis was at that time. Ah. So he wasn't famous. Because that was during that trend, like around the start of the '80s, where it was like mm. the cute kids. Like there was Punky yes. Brewster, Webster, yes. different strokes. Um, where you had like this like cute kid that would have cool catchphrases and stuff. Right. And yeah. Yeah. What was What was Webster really like? I was just a fun kid. Fun, you know, like to you know play video games and you know, hang out and shoot basketball and nice. so yeah, he was a nice guy. And when I did Webster, we were uh, our soundstage. It was uh, it was filmed on the Paramount lot, so we were next to Family Ties. Nice. So you know, I was I got to sit and talk with Michael J. Fox and the cast over there too. So that was a it was a it was a great time. So 
It's pretty sick. What what was the like going for the role on Caravan of Courage? Like, was it like nowadays they're so secretive about when people are going for castings for Star Wars stuff. Like, were you aware that it was like a Star Wars related not thing? Not in not in the beginning. Not mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, in fact, my agent who's here, Judy, um, she um, called me and said. I have a, a, a quick audition. It was a same-day audition, and it, you don't need to worry about it. Just it's, it's for the part of some tough kid in some, you know, after-school special, one-hour movie, you know, like an after-school special, and they just want to see if you look like the part, so you're not going to have to read or anything, and just go in and meet with them. And, and it was, uh, at that time, it was, uh, the, it was at the Egg Factory, and the Egg Factory is across the street from Universal Studios. It's, it's torn down now. It's a subway station. But so I went there and uh, they liked me. The, I met John Cordy, who was a director, and Tom Smith, who was a producer. And uh, they liked me so much. He said, oh, "We do. We have a script here. Do you mind so that we could, you know, go out and study for ten or fifteen minutes and come back and uh, we'll read some lines for because the other producer, executive producer, couldn't be here. And they didn't tell me at the time that the executive producer was George Lucas. So." Um, so I went out, and I said, I'll, I'll do it on one condition. At that time, I, I really was trying to be a serious actor, even when though I was old. only 14. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, really, you know, uh, I really uh, honed my craft, and I had been studying for like three or four years in acting classes and school and stuff like that, and I had prepared a monologue. So I said, if you let me do my monologue for you too, because I prepared that for auditions like this, uh, I'll, okay. So I went outside with my dad, uh, Gene is his name, Gene Walker, and we um, studied for 10, 15 minutes, and then we came back in. I did read the lines, and then I did my monologue, and they said, thank you very much. We'll be in touch. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think that I got the part. I didn't get any feelings from them or anything like that. And I think it, uh, this all happened very, very quickly. I think that was in May. Um, I did that audition, and then like a week or so later, a week or two later, I was, they asked if I'd do a screen test because they wanted to see, uh, they wanted to put uh, Aubrey Miller, who played Sindel, and myself together to see how we, inter- we interacted to make sure we worked well together and you know, also to see you know, how well she was doing as well because she was only four years old at the time when we did that movie, so she was very young. Uh, she, in some scenes, is just so cute. It's like everyone else is like doing the scene and acting and yes. she's just standing there like going whoa these yeah. teddy bears are like <laughs> it's uh yeah. it, it's it's fun just to watch her kind of just sort of just trying to stand there sometimes yeah. like she was so young well and and they also want to make sure she wasn't afraid of an ewok you know they're worried about that so you know sometime near the end of the day they brought out an ewok on a stick because they wanted her to see if she would get scared so <laughs> They brought out what? <laughs> they, they brought uh, one of the Ewoks out. They had it uh, attached to a stick. And they wanted to make sure. <laughs> like a kebab or? <laughs> Was it marinated? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm some 501st troopers would like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and she immediately ran up to it and started hugging it. And she, you know, had no, no issues whatsoever, you know, because well, just like you said, that, she that, liked teddy bears. <laughs> How was the Ewok mounted on a stick, exactly? Like, I, I, I just can't picture, like, was the stick behind it, or... This is upsetting for me. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, you you got to make sure no Ewoks were harmed in the making of the movie. So I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, where was the stick did, it, behind it, it? It was like uh, it was like attached to the stick somehow. I can't remember exactly, but the stick was probably like this tall, and it was like attached to it. But it had the head on it and everything, all the pieces. You know, if you if you go and you look at you probably can't remember properly because it was so traumatizing. You probably blocked it out. I probably did, yeah. <laughs> but it was so long ago. I I I just remember that and them thinking she was going to be afraid of an Ewok. Like who who's afraid of Ewoks? You know, except for stormtroopers. Yeah. And Han Solo. Yeah, and yeah, Han Solo as well. The it's 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 interest and I don't know. Maybe they just got confidence in her that she wouldn't be scared. But like they're worried that she's scared of an Ewok. But there's a scene where like, and, and spoilers for those that haven't seen the film, Wicket gets attacked by, like, a cow-sized spider. And it's <laughs> above him. And he's stabbing the spider from under the spider. And, like, Sindel's just in the background just standing there, just, like, watching. Mm-hmm. And then after the spider dies, which I found, out of all the things in the Ewok movie, this is the most unrealistic thing the giant spider gets stabbed by the little teddy bear and then the little cute girl goes up and just starts poking the spider. <laughs> and I'm like, that would never happen. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd be, I'd be out of there. I'm not scared of Ewoks, but I'm terrified yeah, of... Yeah, they um, should have checked to see if she was scared of spiders. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously, she, yeah. she, she really wasn't. She was uh, very brave. Now, um... But anyway, at the, at the end of the day... Um, they, they said, we're going to go and talk with the executive producer, and, and I still don't know this is George Lucas, but I kind of get an idea because I remembered seeing Return of the Jedi, so I knew what an Ewok was. Um, so they went in, and they had some sort of meeting, and uh, they came out, and before I even flew back, because this was done in Marin County up in, uh, near San Rafael um, at Cordy Films, and um, oh, so you got flown up to San Francisco. I got flown up. Okay. F- yeah. So things for, are looking pretty day. good. Yeah. But you don't know what it's for. I don't know what it's for, and um, so, but I'm kind of getting the idea, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so they came out and they said, "Congratulations, you got the part." Before we even left. Nice. So that was uh, that was, uh, and I was on cloud cloud nine, you know. Wait a minute, I'm going to be involved some something that's like s- part of Star Wars. It's like. <laughs> Got to keep pinching myself. I I don't know if uh, uh, Geek Girl Diva remembers, but I went over. We went over after we had the audition. I went over to her, her place and her my agent's place, and I kept saying, "Do I you know pinch myself? Pinch myself? You know I'm going to be a part of Star Wars." We we knew what it was, so it was a it was an awesome experience. So for sure. And so you filmed it like sort of around Skywalker Ranch. Like a a, a lot of the scenes looks like if the camera just leaned over a little bit you'd see the you know the main building there like when you're on the hills and stuff like that they did a good portion of it on skywalker ranch um but most of it was shot near skywalker ranch um on on this uh some sort of a forest that's pretty close there i can't remember the name of it um off the top of my head but it's pretty close there uh to there was most of the scenes so and most of it also on Skywalker Ranch, especially when we're doing the caravan stuff and going over the mountains and stuff. And yeah, 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 yeah. In the the Magic Pond, the lake is on Skywalker Ranch. Um, but at that time, they were just starting to build Skywalker Ranch. So at that time, gotcha, Lucasfilm yeah. and ILM was still in San Rafael so, uh, and off of Kerner Avenue. So 
they did a lot indoors, you know, on the main stage in Cookie Bay over there. So a lot of it was done on sound stages too and blue screen. A lot of blue screen stuff, so. And, and what did they, like when you've got the role, like when did they sort of explain what the concept was and, and how it fit in with Star Wars? Um, I don't know that they took the time to explain that it was uh, part of Star Wars, but um, I mean, I obviously knew it was and um, they, you know, I got the script. We started working on it. I mean, it was a very short period of time. I mean, we started in June, the like June, I think the first day was June 11th, mm -hmm. 1984 was the first day of photography. So, um, and I had the full script, so they didn't like just, you know, they weren't trying to be that secretive as you, as you would think. Yeah. You know, uh, like they were with the other stuff. I know on the second Ewok movie, they were, I think, I don't know why, but they were way more strict on the second Ewok movie. They even had the pages numbered and you had to turn in the script. Oh, really? Yeah. But in the first, first one, they didn't do that. So. Interesting. So. Interesting. And, and what about like, was George Lucas around? Like he was around. Because he was the dark man. I, I like that, that he was like this executive producer that never got like mentioned. But uh, at what point did you meet him? I think I met him. I would, it was sometime during the first week of filming. Mm -hmm. um, again, going back to Amanda Lucas, um, it was her first day of preschool. And he wanted to surprise her, so he brought Amanda Lucas to the set. But she didn't know that the Ewoks were played by people. So he asked if all the Ewoks could get in costume so <laughs> that, you know, she would think, still think they're real. Yeah. That's so. Amazingly rad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And at that time, George was dating Linda Ronstadt, so she came with him as well. So Nice. So I got to meet her. And I have video of all a lot of this stuff as well. We... Uh, Warwick Davis and I shot a whole making of behind the Ewok movies, and we have like two hours of footage that nobody's seen. So yeah, I saw on your YouTube channel you've got like a little bit of like footage. I from did that. put a little bit on my YouTube channel. Yeah, there's about ten or twelve minutes plus my original audition that I just spoke about. Is ah, on there and as your well. monologues on yes, there as it well. Is, it is, yeah. Yeah, like the the monologue you did was like you're auditioning for this fun adventure with little teddy bears <laughs> yeah and your monologues like when i'm talking about how you know my you know fa mother committed suicide and because my father who's an alcoholic you know got arrested and died of a heart attack it's pretty heavy actually <laughs> it's, that's not my star wars guys yeah okay. <laughs> that's not i don't know about you but guys. back to what we were talking about the audition they were videotaping it to show the executive producer ah. the dark guy and i heard later that the producer didn't hit the record button, but turn, hit the record button on my monologue. So that's what he saw. Oh, sorry. Just saying during a podcast didn't hit the record button. <laughs> yeah. That sorry, is... guys. That doesn't work, huh? Uh, Did you hit record? I'm, ju <laughs> I'm just teasing. Okay. Because I don't want to listen back to this and it's just his monologue. That would be very yeah. disturbing. <laughs> if it was good enough for the uh, executive producer. Dude. His mom is having a bad time in it, trust me. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you thought Shmi Skywalker had a bad life. Wow. Yeah, right? He did have to see those Ewoks on skewers. That's true. It was going to be a heavy movie just from that, if that, that was any interesting. Well, not only that, when they take the heads off, they, they, they have this whole, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but 
they have these stands for the heads, so they're putting Ewok heads together, and I have a picture that has, like, six Ewok heads on it. Like, pi- <laughs> like heads on a pike or something? No, that's, it's just a stand, and they, they, you know, like a wood stand. That looks pretty scary, looking at six or eight Ewok heads. Yeah, like the original Planet of the Apes or something, because they had all the warning <laughs> poles and stuff. But Linda Ronstadt, I can't... The Simpsons has had such an effect on my life... Because of, like, that Mr. Plow episode, I can't picture her not in a spa. Like, <laughs> you in, you know, Barney goes out with Linda Ronstadt after he becomes the Plow King or something, and they, they do an ad t- together. So, people seen The Simpsons, but there's a scene with her in the spa, and that's pretty much all I know about her. So whenever I hear... Like, when I hear that George Lucas went out with her, I just picture George Lucas in the spa. Like... <laughs> I've got a very spa-centric idea. But you were talking about uh, that George Lucas's involvement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he did come, like we mentioned, to the set. But George started getting really way more involved than what people realized. I mean, he started editing the movie. Um, he was get he got really he started coming to the set a couple more times a week. And during the reshoots, uh, the director had some sort of scheduling conflicts. For so George Lucas actually directed. Me, he directed uh, the whole week, one week of reshoots on the Ewok. A lot of people think he directed during the prequels, when, but that's not true. He directed uh, a lot of the scenes in the in Caravan of Courage. So. Did he ever tell you to redo a scene faster and more intense? Yes. <laughs> you are a true Star Wars actor, then. That is. Yeah. That he is liked to use the word "let's go, let's go, let's go." <laughs> Was he, I, I, you know, you were so young, but did you notice a difference between the two directors? Sure I did. Sure I did. And I've talked about this in other interviews. Uh, John Cordy is what we call an actor's director. And for your, uh, you know, podcast viewers and everybody here, an actor's director is someone that knows a little bit about acting. They may have studied, <laughs> you know. So. And John Cordy was that person for me and he was he was great and I, George Lucas was great too I'm not saying he wasn't uh, he's brilliant the way he sets up the shots he, he's very fast paced and uh, and he makes changes on the spot I remember one morning there's a scene uh, where we're I, it's right when we're trying to go inside the Gorax castle and I'm and that's the we shot it even though we're you know uh, on the we shot this at ILM, even though we didn't shoot it on a location, and he had to do a pickup shot. So they put me on this stand, so I was up real high, and so they just had a, the blue sky in the background. So the spot where you're seeing uh, Mace talk about um, tr- figuring out a way to get inside the castle, George directed that, and he added all those lines right there on the spot. I mean, he handed me his handwritten. He didn't have time to type it, so he's handed me his writing. And I thought, geez, I wish I would have saved that instead of throwing it away. Yeah, right. Yeah, who would have known? And it's actually from this scene. I brought a picture, actually. And I did bring some pictures for everybody. So I brought some gifts for everybody. Nice. But it's this scene. This is a scene that George, this was a shot that was taken at, uh, during the Ewok movie. And George Lucas directed this scene. So he wa- I guess he wanted to soften the character a little bit. Mace was, he was a real brat. I mean, <laughs> but... Uh, kind of like myself a little bit, but <laughs> but um, he was really mean, and and they wanted to soften his character a little bit instead of him being so mean to the Ewoks. So I've 
I, I've got some notes about that. We'll, we'll get to it because okay. Mace is, is, is not what I remember. But it was um, like how you looked and, and how you dressed and the haircut. It was very like you were very Mark Hamill-esque. Oh, yeah. Like it was – and because your last name is Walker. You know when you're little <laughs> and you like just see stuff and you just make up stories about or how that would work? Right. Because – like, you know, I'm watching it on, on... I've got no internet to refer to or anything like that. But you had Luke Skywalker's jumpsuit on it. Look, like it, it, looks was, it was, actually. They, the costumer told me that it was the flight suit. Really? Yeah, so they used the actual flight suit. Wow, don't worry about George Lucas' notes. That's what you should have stole. Um, <laughs> and because your surname was Walker... And I know that's your real name. It is my name, Now yeah. that I'm an adult. Uh-huh. But when I was little, I'm like... Oh, his surname's Walker. <laughs> Luke's he must be related somehow. But yeah. the um but I read that people like like called you Mark. Oh yeah, they thought they thought, you know, they until I turned around and they saw I was a young kid, they, you know, called my name Mark and a lot of uh, people said, you know, we thought you were Mark, you know, until what is Mark doing here? Is he, you know, it's like who's he going to be a part of it? So. Yeah, it, it's even Wark Davis's mother, Sue Davis told me she thought I was Mark. So interesting. When I picture Ma- Warwick Davis's mum, I picture her in an Ewok outfit as well. <laughs> just, <laughs> I might have some emotional issues, guys. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. I was thinking about it yesterday. Like if George Lucas kind of kept going with the films instead of taking that like fifteen-year break or whatever uh-huh. it was, and he went back, like you would have been like a, a pretty good candidate to be Anakin Skywalker just because you look so much like... I did look a lot like him, yeah. 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 How was that? Like, and, and you were Mace. Yeah, and I'm then the there original was an- Mace, yeah. What, what was that like when the Phantom Menace came out and there's another... Like, did that... Like, did you think, oh, that's odd? Or No, I thought, you know, George was trying to, you know, rem- say he remembered me or something like that. <laughs> like an ode to working with me. That's the way I see it, you know. He liked the name, I guess. Yeah. And... um it's quite a tribute to you that Samuel L. Jackson, because when I think of Samuel L. Jackson, I, I yeah, think he's of you, one bad. <laughs> <laughs> So Linda Ronstadt was on set. George Lucas was on set. Was there any other, like, sort of fun visitors? Uh, Michael Jackson came to the set on the second one, yeah. So. What? Yeah. Michael Jackson. And I just missed him, like, by a day. And I was so crushed. Oh, it. you didn't get to see him? No, I didn't. Oh. I've met him a few times after that, but, yeah. How did you meet him? Uh, he wanted to see the movie. wanted me to come and watch the movie with him, so. Really? Yeah. So you went to Neverland? No, the, he didn't have Neverland back then. He uh, was over at the Encino. So, Michael, my mind is blown. <laughs> so, so, someone... No, he didn't do anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't going to go there okay. <laughs> but you did i um i appreciate that t- t- how does that come about like he just wanted to he but how does made he get in, how does michael jackson get in contact with you oh i don't know how he does that i was a kid you know and so he just says come around yeah i went over there the and video. watched the movie got a copy of it from lucasfilm so and so you just sat on a like on a couch on No, on he had like a little movie theater, 
and his place set up. Popcorn? Yeah. Soda? Soda, yeah. Candy. Did he he talk during the film? No. Interesting. No. What what did he say afterwards? Uh, That was really good. No. (laughs) (laughs) I really like those Ewoks. No, he didn't say anything. He liked the movie a lot. That is so strange. You, You don't think that's... Am I the only one that thinks that's... It is strange. You're right. Yeah. And there might have been other people that came to the set too, but those, you know, not too many that I recall. It's hard to top... Well, George Lucas is pretty obvious there, but Michael Jackson, that's... Yeah. That's about as... Well, they were doing Captain EO at that time. They were getting ready to do it, so Ah. that's why he was there. Okay. Oh, I know who... Ron Howard. I met Ron Howard. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And he... He was very kind to me. He said, I hear you're doing a great job on the movie. Yeah, and he, had, he was a real nice guy. Sweet. At that time, he was also doing uh, some special effects shots for Cocoon at that time. So that's why he was at ILM. Tight. And he was kind enough to take a picture even. I have a picture. When the um, So you're working on this Star Wars film, and they've, it, it's, sort of, it's going to be made for TV, right? right. And, and back then there was like, like made for TV films was, was sort of pretty big, yeah. They, yeah, they no, they were movie. Yeah, they were like a big deal. I mean, they made a big deal out of it. This was, and when they did all the commercials and everything, they talked about how it was Lucasfilm's first movie for television, and I think it was on because they wanted to with the sound effects. You know how Star Wars has the greatest sound effects. Mm-hmm. They they ended up simul uh, doing a simulcast so it could be in stereo because televisions didn't have stereo then, so it was on the radio as well. Oh, so you could tune in and, and yeah. listen to it. Yeah, it was on. I think it was on K- KLOS here. And yeah. Wow, that'd be so, that'd be so cool. If, like if you were running late and you were in traffic and you just like could tune in and, and listen. Yeah. I would do that now. I have to say, I, I would listen to the Ewok adventure. Like you enjoyed the the Return of the Jedi. You you mm-hmm. sort of into the Ewoks. What was it like? Like because for me, it would just be like I get to play with Ewoks for six weeks in a forest and Mm -hmm. and there's this one scene where you're in the red jumpsuit and they're sort of having a parade for you to you're about to leave on your your caravan of courage and there's like about 50 Ewoks and they're all just cheering and 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 you're walking through that to me seems very surreal what was it like just like the fun of interacting with these like little teddy bears that was an interesting day that was a they had a lot of uh, children on the set that day to be in the Ewok costumes. Gotcha. And they had a lot of cameras. So it was, you know, they must have, I think they had like 12 different cameras trying to capture it, it from all angles. So for me, that particular scene you're talking about felt so real because we were, it was such a large scene that they were trying to film mm. that you could really feel like you're in character. So it was, it was just so surreal, you know, to be able to... And, and like I said, it was a, yeah, I mean, just putting that jumpsuit on and, you know, the little uh, gadgets and stuff that Mace has, like, you know, he has his life monitor and he, you know, he also has a gun and he has, uh, he has another pocket thing that lights up fire. If you remember that scene where he lights the fire and all that, having that costume on, you know, in acting, we have something called the magic of believing, uh-huh. you know, and, and this Having that costume on really puts you, you it was so easy to get into character and feel like you're really there. You're really on the forest moon of Endor. So. And you're in a forest with 
little bears. Like it's all coming together. Yeah. The wristband I've got an issue with. There's there's, okay. there's three main bits of technology that that Mace has, and it's it's the the rifle, the laser gun. The laser gun does yeah. some good stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got that sweet lighter that lights yeah. fires, which is amazing. Yeah. Like I want one of them. The wristband, it's a major sort of plot point in the film, but it's a bit of technology. It's like a wristband, this big thick thing, and there's four lights. And all it seems to do is to signify if your family are dead or alive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) True. You wake up every morning, check. Yep, mum's alive. I'm alive, alive, yeah. Yep, I'm alive. And then it it just seems (laughs) like such a... Such a downer of technology. Like, if one of the lights turns off, it's like, God, I hope this thing's not working properly because mum's dead. Well, I mean, uh, it became a major part of the story arc because uh, the uh, Gorax, uh, its pet, that little Bora creature, had the life monitor, one of the life monitors on it. So it told us that our parents are still, might still be alive, so... See, I don't even know how that... Cause I'm a Star Wars nerd. You, mm-hmm. like, you can just pass it off and it will tell you if they're still alive. Mm-hmm. How does the wristband that's not on the person right. know it's still alive? That makes, that makes sense to me, what you're saying. but Yeah. And in that case, why do you... Don't worry. I hate uh. the wristbands, all right? I, I know they're needed, but you know, when I think about it with that 2019 nerd mentality... Get me an Apple Watch any day. It kind of sounds like uh, Find My iPhone, but Space Find My Family. It doesn't find them. It just says if your iPhone still works. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) No more heckles. Speaking of that, she mentioned continuity. Um, The continuity in that movie was really bad. Like, (laughs) you know, one second, you know, the flowers next to my sick sister there and then the next shot she's coughing and the flower's not there then the next shot the flower's dead (laughs) (laughs) you know and then then i you know they just did a lot of stuff like i put my i put the my the wrong hand in the tree and Ah. the reason why that happened was because there was originally a different scene that was deleted and the scene had too many special effects in it that they they knew they couldn't get it done so they had to reshoot it with the tree, my sticking my hand into the tree, and they didn't. They didn't tell me what hand to put in there, so I just put my right hand in there. But I, when they filmed the other scene, I had put my left hand uh, into this uh, flower. They had this uh, man-eating gulping flower. They called them the gulping flowers, uh-huh. and they they eat you or whatever, and it starts to drag me down underneath the ground, and you see part of the inner part of Endor or whatever, and it was just too many effects. They said, no, we can't do this, so uh, it's a deleted scene. But that's, that caused uh, the big continuity flaw with the wrong hand. Later, you see Wicket's mother, and it's my left hand, not my right hand, that she's putting lotion on. Ah, I did when I noticed last night you put the wrong arm in, I just, like, lost my shit. I like, <laughs> wrote this blog, did all these tweets. It's yeah. like... No good, no good. Uh, talking about continuity and stuff, like, what did they say at, like, how you guys fit into the Star Wars universe? Like, you had Return of the Jedi, the Rebels were on Endor. Did they, like, tell you it was this before or after? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that. And I've talked about this a lot. I know that there was a gentleman who wrote a book in the Expanded Universe 
that puts the movies uh, on three at the three uh, three Abbey. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and it has Sindel, my sister. She's a, a reporter on Coruscant. So she's grown up and she's a reporter. And actually, she's in the book. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book. You have to look it up. But when we were doing the Ewok movie, Warwick Davis and I were walking around doing the making of behind-the-scenes stuff. So we asked the producer, uh, you know, when does this take place? And he said that this takes place 150 years after the battle for Endor. And that's why Wicked and Ewoks can understand a little bit of basic, and that's how they're able to communicate with us. And, in fact, it's hard to tell but in one of the scenes where um, Wicket and Sindel, they're playing about the Star Cruiser crash. Remember that scene? Star Cruiser crash. Dude, <laughs> I remember that scene. Yeah. I, I, I spent many years annoying my parents <laughs> with Star Cruiser. It was, yeah. it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. So in that scene, it's, if you look really closely, it's, uh, if you, you could kind of see there's a storm. One of the toys is a stormtrooper. Oh, really? So and they, I know they had it there. I, I've been trying to see, and I could kind of make it out, but you have everybody you know, look at it. That would be something for everybody to try to spot. And there's also other trivia about the Ewok adventure, since you're calling them teddy bears. There's a scene that has a very famous Disney character in one of the – for one split second. Really? Yeah. So, Pooh Bear? Yep. Winnie what? the Pooh. Yeah. What's he doing? He's just sitting there next to the hut and on the right-hand corner there, and the – they did it on purpose, you know. It's the, you know, because ah, they like to joke Easter around egg, there. Little yeah. Easter egg. Yeah. It's weird that you bring up the stormtrooper because, I um. When when like the the I think like the trailer came out for Caravan of Courage because uh-huh. it was it was it was at the cinema it was in Australia in a movie, yeah. And this guy I went to school with. He was one year older than me, Matt Kemp, right? He had a sweet trampoline. It was in ground. It was amazing, mm-hmm. Olympic style, but. He said he saw the trailer for it. I remember where I was in the schoolyard. He goes, I saw this, this Ewok movie coming out mm-hmm. and it's after Return of the Jedi because there's one scene where there's a stormtrooper still walking around in the trailer, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. After right. Return of the Jedi, it's going to be so good. So I saw the film and there's no stormtrooper in it, right? <laughs> but I wasn't, because he was older than me, I wasn't like confident enough to confront him about his lie. Right. But... I've begrudged him ever since. So, Matt Camp, hey, if you're Matt, out there... You're a liar. You're a filthy liar, all right? <laughs> and I know, I know. But 150 years, that sort of makes sense because... Well, and he said, you know, Wicket's, uh, you know, about 200 years old he's, and he's a teenager. So, I guess Ewoks have long lives, so... Very long, very long. Because they do... I, I read one theory was that he learned how to speak English... And this just drove me up the wall. It was, but it was not the, like in, in Star Wars, they call it basic. Right. But it was a different Correct. type of basic. And that then the filmmakers had translated it so we could understand. So it was a different language to what, like the rebels. And I was just like, you're killing me with this. But, um, <laughs> but 150 years makes sense because it's the forest moon of Endor. But if you remember, they walk through bits that are just like barren and, right. and desert. And so that's probably what happened after the Death Star. All yes. the stuff destroyed most of the planet. The nuclear fallout. So that part of the continuity they got right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's depressingly right. <laughs> 
Hey guys, if you're enjoying this chat with Eric Walker, then please pod it forward and let people know on your social media feeds. The latest Steel Wars episode is always pinned to the top of both our Facebook and Twitter feeds and you guys sharing it, it seriously helps us out because you probably found out about the podcast by someone sharing it as well. The system works. So please drop us a retweet or a comment about the episode and pod it forward now back to enjoying the show thanks but anyway since you were talking about you were talking about basic and the ewoks language uh i don't know maybe a lot of people don't know this but they actually created uh for the ewok movies they created an entire ewok language there actually is they actually hired someone to create the language and she even has credits on on the on the credits so there actually is Somewhere at Lucasfilm, they actually have the entire language. Really? Yeah. And, and they just disrespected her work by having them speak English a lot of the time. Yeah. And now, none of it's, uh, everything's legends now anyway, so it doesn't exist. So. That's my type of legend. That is my type of legend. So, in the lead up to it coming out, were you like, like, like how big was it at the time? Because, like, you know, the television viewership was so much more concentrated then. Oh, you know, there was only. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Like I don't in America, like five channels and, and, and you know cable maybe was just sort of starting or mm-hmm. not that big. But was it like the day after it came out, like things were crazy? It or? was um, for a little bit, not not like terribly crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I went to public school. I was in junior high, and uh, my friends and I would play basketball during our lunch breaks. And normally, no one's out there. But the day after the Ewok movie came out, there's 200 people like surrounding surrounding us asking us questions so and you know i would have people recognize me when i would go out to places like you know the grocery store or this place or that place and it was it was uh not nothing too horrible i wasn't like mobbed or anything like that but okay the, but uh, it, it did okay it did i believe it had 65 million people watched it the night it was out so it wow. did fairly well and and like did you watch it on tv or did you have like a special yeah premiere? we did we had a party uh, uh, at my place, we have invited all of our friends and family and everybody, and so there wasn't like a Lucasfilm premiere or anything like that. Lucasfilm had uh, they had screenings of the movie mm-hmm. uh, on the 20th Century Fox lot, and I went there and watched it. And ABC had screenings, so I went there and watched it as well. Lucasfilm actually had a cast and crew screening. I didn't make it to that one because it was up north, mm-hmm. and um, but yeah, I mean they. Um, other than that, you know, and it, it like you for you it was a movie. We got cheated here, you know. In American Canada, it was on television, but everywhere in the entire world, it was a movie, and it was built like a Star Wars movie. I mean, your friend was wrong about the stormtrooper, but a lot of the posters and a lot of the adverts did say build it like it was a Star Wars movie, like it was a continuation of it. Oh, so. yeah, for me, like even uh, like after I had it on video and stuff, I would 
you know, it was part of my rotation. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? I watched Star Wars Empire Return of the Jedi. Right. And then you put on Caravan of Courage to see what mm-hmm. happened next. Do you right. know what I mean? I didn't realize it was 150 years later, but mm-hmm. I saw it at the cinema, right? And I was pumped. Like, this was like... It, was, it played good in a movie. It was a good movie for cinema. The, like, the year before Return of the Jedi, the cinema was just, it was packed. It was pandemonium, mm-hmm. right? And so I go there with, you know, I'm super young. My brother took me and a couple friends and we saw it during the day and I was so confused because it was, it was literally just us in the cinema. Mm. And I was like, what, what, what's going on? Mm. Like this is, everyone was here last year and this is just Ewoks. Yeah. Like there should be more people here, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But the weird thing was, there was a, it was just us and a couple up the back, a boy right. and a girl that were teenagers, right? right? And I was too young to understand and it wasn't until later on that I was, it clicked. They weren't taking much notice of the film. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So... For them, it was a, a very sultry uh, Ewok adventure. I, I, I remember looking around, I'm like, why aren't they watching? This yeah. is so annoying. Like, what are you guys doing up there? Yeah. And then later on, I was like, ah. But but you know what? That movie's still very special to them, as special as it is for you. Just <laughs> in another reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, it it uh, it. I don't know how well it did in Australia, but I know the movie was like the number third movie of the year in France. Really? Yeah, That's in awesome. Japan, it was the number one movie of the year. It was out. Um, it was so big in France that they actually had a famous like pop singer do a song about the Ewoks. So we actually really? had a song. If you you look it up, it's called Les Petites Ewoks, and you could see the music video from the <laughs> Dorothy is her name. She's some famous pop artist or whatever in France. That's English for the little Ewok. There you correct? go. Okay. <laughs> Just for those that don't speak French in the audience. I, I, so I watched it last night. I, I, I made some notes, right? Okay. okay. I don't know how good your parents were. You crash land on the planet mm-hmm. and then they go, like the movie starts with them, they've gone off somewhere. Right. And, and then they come back and you guys aren't there and they're like yelling out like, Come back. We aren't mad at you. We aren't mad at you. It's like, why Why would you be mad? They've crashed the spaceship and yeah, then they just left I you know. in the forest. <laughs> like, why would they be mad at you? Yeah. What's up with that? Well, they they used to beat us. <laughs> I'm just... And, uh, but the mum seems annoyed. You have to watch the start. The mum's yeah. just like going, where are those two? And it's like, are you scared or annoyed yeah. at them? We're not mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of my favorite scenes is the Star Cruiser scene oh, yeah. where Wicket learns how to say Star Cruiser, yeah. which is so sweet. It's cute. But looking at it like with a modern lens, Sindel says, what, you don't have a Star Cruiser? <laughs> like that is white privilege at its worst, you guys. Yeah, it is. Sure is. The, the, the scenes with... There's this one scene that when I saw it, it, it just jogged this fun memory. And you're sort of walking kind of like a soldier and Warwick Davis copies you. Oh, yeah. Like, or Wicket copies you. Like, and and it, you're making the film and stuff, but it seemed like you and Warwick Davis like really hit it off. Oh, yeah. Warwick Davis and I were like you know two peas in a pod. We're, we're both teenagers. In fact, Warwick Davis's birthday is to—I think it's today. Is it today or is it when? Uh, he's the third, so it's tomorrow. 
So Warwick Davis's birthday is tomorrow. Happy so birthday, Warwick. Happy birthday, Warwick. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're literally born three days apart. So we're the same age. So we did everything together, you know, two teenagers, you know. And I just, he was just so fun to be around, um, cracking jokes all the time. I mean, I don't know if any of you have seen his work with Ricky Gervais. Yes. But I have videos of Warwick Davis clowning around, you know, showing great comic timing even as a teenager. So it didn't surprise me that he ended up doing comedy with him. So, But the guy can act. Oh, he's a great actor. Great person too. Funny guy. There's a scene in it where he's not allowed to go on the hang glider with the, the rest of the old people. Right. And he looks like he gets sad about it. Mm-hmm. And that, as a little kid, it, I, like, I could really relate. It's like, yeah, I'm not allowed to go hang gliding with my family either. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, he, he, he has that character so down that I could watch the Ewok movie and I know when Warwick, when it's somebody standing in for him, I could tell. Because of the way the person's walking. You know, Wicked had that, that little walk. Yeah, no, don't tell me how to tell because I will, like, fra- okay. fracture my childhood. And oh, I won't. <laughs> it's always him. It's always him. I need, like, if I went on the set, I want those Amanda Lucas rules where everyone <laughs> has to keep their helmets <laughs> there, there on. There you go, yeah. 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 I, I, can't, I can't do that. But the one thing that it didn't sort of hit me until I rewatched it was, like, Mace... He's got some issues. Oh, he sure does, yeah. He's a dick a yeah, lot of the sure time. Yeah. There's this one scene where Sindel, the, the little girl, like looks like, like a little like Drew Barrymore-looking girl, she's sick and she's got a fever and Wicket's like next to the bed, like, oh, you know, yub-nub, like yeah. all this stuff. And Mace walks in and just shoves Wicket out of the way. There's another yeah. scene where you come in with a, like, like Mark Hamill doing Schwarzenegger, like like just <laughs> bossing all these Ewoks around. Like, what was what was going on with? Was it, is it a tough time? He was, in, an, was he, he was going an, through galactic puberty? Yeah, he sure was. He <laughs> he he was a tough kid. He thought he was, and um, he was angry. He thought he knew everything. That's for sure. <laughs> One of the best scenes where Sindel's like passing out, harrowing, right? Right. And the Ewok medicine man. I don't know if it was low gray or what, but someone says he's got a leaf and he mutters something and then you instantly translate. You go, oh, what? This is medicine? Which is just like mm-hmm. some amazing like translation. Right. And then like in the next scene, you run out and you're scre- like you're sort of like going, we need more medicine. Right. We, and it reminded me of Nick Cage in that film where he's like, the bees, the bees. <laughs> like that needs to be gift, the, the, the we need more medicine. Uh, that needs to be a, a, a sweet meme. And the other thing I realised was the caravan does not start for like hours into the film. Yeah. Like there's all these sort of like sub-adventures and the bit where there's the parade and then you end up going... Right. That, that, that's like... Like two hours into the film. Yeah, it does start later in the movie. It should be um, called like a caravan of courage eventually. <laughs> An Ewok adventure. An Ewok adventure. Well, there were other scenes that they cut out, so it's good they did, huh? Otherwise, it would have took longer to get to the caravan. <laughs> well, the one, the, the scene you're talking about with the arm when you mm-hmm. put it in, because you go through like, you sort of get treated like, the, the robbers in Home Alone. Like, Mace gets <laughs> a lot of bad things done to him. Yeah. There's the, the scene where you put the your arm in the tree. Right. 
And even when I was a little kid, I, I just thought you're an idiot for do- like that was. I was like, you don't put your arm in a tree yeah. o- o- over that. How, what, planet, yeah. what was it like to do that? And there was another scene where that big dog thing is sort of, you're in a tree. Right. A lot of tree work in this film, you guys. <laughs> but how was that dealing with like all the special effects and, and that sort of stuff? Um, you just have to pretend because that stuff comes later. All that, that's, you, you got to really be on, on, on point. Were they showing you like pictures of, of things that were going to happen? They or? did not show us anything when we were doing that stuff. They would just, just kind of describe it. The the scenes where we had that firefly uh, creature, yeah, 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 uh, the queen or Isrina or whatever her name was, uh, that they had a little light bulb and they would had on a, on a stick and would be moving it around. So that helped a little bit to have our eyes move, but. You had to completely believe in, you know, you're doing a lot of blue screen work as well. Nothing's there except for the blue screen behind you. And, and Lucasfilm, at that time, they had the largest blue screen in the world up there at ILM. I don't know if, I'm sure they have the biggest one still somewhere now, but at that time it was the largest one. See, a light bulb on a stick, I'm fine with. It's the Ewoks on a stick. Well, that effect. <laughs> yeah. but, but during some of it, like they would have, you know, squibs and stuff. Uh, squib is a little mini explosion that goes off. Gotcha. And they would use those so later they could draw on the laser when we're firing a gun or whatever we're doing. Um, so that w- helped a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a big explosion sound. So it's like, you know. In fact, during uh, when we were doing uh, the scene near the beginning of the movie, um, when the Ewoks first uh, meet us or whatever, and Mace is really like a big jerk and saying, stay away from inside the Star Cruiser, um, he fires the weapon, and it goes off and hits the thing in the back uh, part of the ship, and sparks go everywhere. In the actual scene, those sparks went inside my boot and burned my sock, so they had to cut the take, so I had a little bit of a burn on there. So, yeah, Mace really did. Well, I hope you learned your lesson. I was, uh, or yeah. him or someone. But I don't think he did because <laughs> then later he, <laughs> later he puts his hand on some uh, magic pond and go, gets stuck underneath that. I so. was just going to bring that up. Yeah. I feel like – so there's a scene, for those that haven't seen the film, where the – Wicket and Cinder are playing. It's, it's like they're in the middle of their, their caravan of courage. They're taking time out and there's a creek. And Mace goes up and just touches the creek and it's mm-hmm. some, like, I, I don't know, like cursed creek. And yeah. as soon as you touch it, you're under the water and you can't get out. Like yeah, you're pl- stuck unless you have the... It's called, they called it the magic pond and Wicket was given the magic stick, which you could get. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's why they had to use that. So. But that... I feel like saved hundreds of child's lives because after that scene, mm-hmm. like I took this film pretty seriously when I was little, if you haven't picked that up, but I would not go through a, near a creek, near, near a river, yeah. near a dam. There, there was a puddle out the front. I was scared of that. Yeah. But I, it, I just, I feel like that did wonders for water safety because I was sure. like, you never know which one of these bodies of water are going to be like. Might get stuck underneath it. Yeah. Dude, and how did you film? Were you underneath it? They did that. They on on Skywalker Ranch. They had they made a pond that, that magic pond. They actually made it. They brought the in some witches to curse it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, that came in the second one. <laughs> you know when they had the witch. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The night sister, which later they used in Rebels. Um, but uh, the the our movies had a lot of stuff that they used later. I mean, uh, some people say you know the Ewok movie, the Caravan of Courage, is like. Uh, 
it's like Star Wars, but mixed with fantasy. So it's kind of got a lot like the Lord, you know, the Lord of the Rings. It's a lot fantasy like that. So it's. Um, I I kind of think it's like it's sort of like the books. Like they, they, you know, you're talking about like the expanded universe and stuff, right. and and that sort of took Star Wars and took it off into like a real sort of science fictiony, like that sort of hard science fiction sort of type, tor- hard science fiction type storytelling. But I feel like the Caravan of Courage and its fantasy thing sort of took another part that was in it that George Lucas, you know, really liked. Like he right. wasn't sort of into the whole, you know, working out how gravity works and this, that, and the other. It was sort of like. It's yeah. just like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like it gives like a, an interesting view of how George Lucas, like the stories he wanted to write that yes. weren't sort of... I, I sort of like just like all the fantasy elements and like rocks that do cool stuff when you need yeah. them to. Yeah. I was pretty annoyed when you threw out that rock, by the way. Yeah, well, just a stupid rock. <laughs> 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 but... Uh, <laughs> That's like the Bart Simpson, yeah. I didn't do it thing. It's like, he said the rock line. Yes, yes. And we were when we were doing that movie, Amanda was visiting the set because George was doing the pickups on that mm-hmm. scene. And right after May says that, Amanda starts yelling at, why is it a stupid rock, Eric? Why is it a stupid rock? <laughs> I didn't really take. <laughs> so. I feel like Amanda Lucas was like my substitute on set. She was, <laughs> she was doing all the things that, that I would have liked to do. Now, um, w- like what were the sets like? Were there any like sweet tree houses and stuff like that? It was hard to work out like what was there and, and, they and what did, wasn't. They did a hut that was on the ground floor, mm-hmm. which is where they bring us to in the beginning of the movie. That was a, 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 an Ewok hut, but the rest of that stuff was all matte paintings, the, the Ewok huts and the trees and stuff like that. They didn't. Uh, that stuff was all done later in post production. So okay, yeah. all right, all right. What about just some bizarre stuff in the film? There's there's like an Ewok séance mm-hmm. where like they they spin the thing. Yeah, low grade. Like, yeah, yeah, like well, do you have any like memories of like filming that and just like I like, hate it, that. I hate that scene. That's the, I'm 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 acting my ass off in that scene. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I just couldn't get it. I don't know what happened that day or uh, when we did the ADR looping. Maybe it got messed up in looping. Or, and that's the thing, too. Uh, doing these movies uh, ruined me watching a movie for almost 10 years. I couldn't go and watch a movie because every time I go watch a movie, I, I could see when they're l- the people are speaking, the lips don't match. You know, ah. It just totally destroyed it for me. For like, I couldn't enjoy a movie for 10 years. <laughs> so what happened with the ADR? Because it is... It, it's, it's cut really weird uh-huh. where there's a, like a, they have this seance and this thing spins and then you see like the Gorax and your parents and you sort of start like sort of yelling out yeah. plot points to the yeah, kids. Sh- stupid things like, it's a monster. It looks like a monster. Something real big. What yeah. is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> where is it? Where did you say it looks like a monster? Something really big, yeah. <laughs> like or something really big. <laughs> so, um, how did the scene originally play out? Did you do you remember your monologue from that one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the scene was shot better than it was edited and how it turned out. Uh, and they were going mainly for the special effects part of it, 
that they were trying to focus on, I think, mm-hmm. and show that Low Gray is has a power to see with that orb thing that he was spinning. Um, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I have scenes that I love in that movie. I have scenes that I hate. You know, as every actor does. What's you know? one of your favorite ones? My favorite scene in the movie is when uh, Sindel and I, uh, and it, coincidentally, we th- we ran out of time. So I couldn't ADR the scene, so I couldn't do the looping. So it's the only scene in the movie that's not looped, too, by the way. Ah. And it's the scene where uh, Sindel and Mace have run away from the Ewoks, and uh, Sindel gets tired, so he uses his lighter stick to light the fire, and they have that scene with the fire. That's my favorite scene where he's trying to comfort his sister. Yeah. Nice. H- how did you guys get along? We got along really good. Um, Aubrey, you know, at I felt like, you know, it was my little sister and, you know, we went out and did things together and um, and even year, for years later, her parents thought maybe, her, her parents were very protective because she was very young and that's understanding and they didn't know if they wanted her to be a part of the film industry. So they were very protective of her and so they came down to her and they got an agent and they tried it for a little bit but they decided that Hollywood wasn't for them and they didn't continue to pursue it but she was mainly like a she was a model, like a print. She did a lot of print work, mm-hmm. and that's all she did. Uh, the, I think she was offered a TV series, and they turned it down. It was a uh, the show. It was a show with Wilford Brimley. It was on here. Um, trying to remember, the, uh, I think it was called something House, Our House, or something like that. Ah, because yeah, he was in the next film. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Wilford Brimley was the next movie. So he had remembered Aubrey and wanted her to be in the movie in the TV series with him. So, but they, they they didn't want to do it. So that's that's why you know her family was very overprotective. That's why she never really did anything other than ah. the Ewok movies. Did you ever get to talk to like George Lucas about Star Wars and if he had plans to do any new films? No, or anything? no. George Lucas is a very quiet, uh, reserved person. So um, no, I, we never had any conversations about what was going to happen. Although there were lots of rumors going on a set about what what was going on with the company Lucasfilm and you know how it is when you work for a company you hear all the behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. so like at that time I think he just finished his divorce um, so they were talking about how much money his wife got <laughs> silly stuff like that so um, but um, and at that and they were getting ready to do Howard the Duck at that time and Warwick Davis was supposed to be Howard the Duck he was supposed to be Howard but some something happened when they did the, the head, which was very expensive. It was like a couple million dollars, and they didn't measure his head, and they went and made it, and it didn't fit. So he couldn't be Howard the Duck, and he was really bummed out about that. And, and you know, George and him had a great relationship, and so he ended up writing Willow for him. So that's how Willow came about. That's so better than Howard the Duck. It is. Yeah. yeah. Are you saying that Willow was a make good for Howard the Duck? I th- yeah, I think it was. Wow. I can't say... It was, but I know Warwick was really bummed out about it. I remember when he was, uh, he was coming to America to meet Ron Howard, and I remember because we went out because uh, they did the final casting here, and he had to come and do a screen test with Ron Howard, and I remember when he got the part, it was, uh, it was very happy. I was very happy for him. So. I'm, I'm just, it's a huge come up from Howard the Duck to Willow. I mean, no offense to Howard the Duck or anybody who likes Howard the Duck, but... Willow, come on. Well, I don't know what happened with Howard the Duck. I, I never read the script, but I've heard through people that originally it was more like the comics, 
And George at that time was uh, working on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So he kind of left to go scout locations in Africa and other places, and he kind of let the people do it. And he just had to come back and clean up the mess, basically. So, so, so he left and just said to someone else. He trusted the yeah, people that were producing y- it. Y- you, can, you can measure Warwick's head. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. Like, w- was it sort of your expectation that, like, it would go on? Like, there was another film. Well, yeah, there was a third Ewok movie. Um, and they just had too many things that they were doing at that time, so they scrapped it. I even, I've heard through the rumor mill that there was even a third script written even for it. Really? So, but, and uh, I don't know if they would have, I don't think they would have brought Mace back alive, but uh, when we first did the movie, we were signed to do the first one, and we had an option to do two movies. So we were... If they wanted to, they could have picked up an option. We were signed for to do a trilogy. So now, the next one comes out, right? Uh huh. And it's got this warning at the start of it. So there's there's the battle for the, the sorry. There's a caravan for courage. Then the the sequel is the Ewoks battle for Endor. And at the start of it, there's this warning. Tonight's continuing fantasy adventure of Sindel and the Ewoks. You've totally been bumped out of the the name there, which is very upsetting. Contains some scenes of suspense and jeopardy, which may be too intense for very young viewers. Parents are encouraged to watch with their children. Yeah, it was. uh, The Ewok movie was like the first movie that had a parental advisory on it. It was like the first, the second one, I mean, yeah. But the opening scenes. Yeah, we all get killed in the movie. Are brutal. Your mum is dying or dead. Yeah. The wristband is like in a bad way. <laughs> and then you drag her very bravely into a hut and then the hut explodes. Yeah. What happened? How did they break this to you? Like you well, were the opening credits of A Caravan of Courage. Well, Amanda Lucas wasn't a teenager. So... That's the story I got. She was four years old. Her hero was Sindel. So they wanted to do a movie about Sindel. This so. is all about disrespecting that rock, isn't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Back in the scene, yeah. She probably was mad about that. So so Daddy kill the rock, bad rock boy? Like, what happened? Kill <laughs> like, the bad rock boy. <laughs> so she just liked Sindel, so it was like... No, that, I mean, they both are the same age. I think Amanda was four as well at the time. So they're the same age that became her hero. And um, Jim and Ken Weed had told me, I don't know if they were just telling me that to make me feel better, but they said when they first came in to start writing and doing, they had a really great story for the whole family. Mm-hmm. But George said no. Uh, go watch the movie Heidi. I want to do have make it where Sindel's uh, an orphan. Remember the movie Heidi? Mm-hmm. And he wants to do it similar to that. So that's how that came about. And I was told by Aubrey Miller's parents, Sindel's parents, that I that Mace was actually dead. So in the first draft of it, I wasn't. All of us were dead. So, but I guess they went and did some rewrites and threw the me in it and the father in it, and then just had the mother dead. So. So. Okay. You know, you're like 14 or 15 or th- uh, by then. Like, how did you deal with that? I was very upset. I mean, how can you go from working your ass off, I mean, I, in, in this movie, and I was on the movie set every single day. Even the last day of shooting, I was the only actor there. 
So then we did the magic pond scene. They did it in a pool at somebody's house. So they had a piece of plexiglass and I swam underneath it. But that magic pond scene was filmed on the last day. But yeah, I was very upset. I probably, very upset. I, I think I cried myself to sleep, actually. I'm not trying to be a downer, but. But then when I heard that Mace was alive and he's gonna get killed, I was excited that I was gonna have some action. So yeah. That excited me, being able to shoot that laser gun again. I was gonna say, is it fun kill, just oh to? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I was all about the action and trying to kill as many of those marauders, they call them marauders as possible, so. After that, and I totally understand, as an adult, I totally understand that's just the direction he wanted to go, and he yeah. could do whatever he wants. You know, it's his, it's his saga, his franchise, so. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I think I'm taking it worse for you than you are. <laughs> <laughs> but it is quite Well, a, I mean, it, the critics weren't nice to him when the second Ewok, the, the first Ewok movie had good reviews. The second Ewok movie had good mixed reviews, had some good reviews too, but had a lot of bad reviews and said, what is he doing? He's killing his audience. He's having this little girl do stuff that's like impossible. You should have had the boy doing all this stuff, you know, but that, that's the way it is, so... The, um, it is quite... And I was very proud of, uh, I want to say this, of Aubrey Miller. She did a great job in that second movie. So Very nice. Yeah. But it is quite a, like a shocking turn of events. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like watching Home Alone 2 and, and Kevin gets killed. Gets killed in a in second one. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I sort of vaguely remembered it. And then when I watched it again, like this week, I was like, oh, that is, like, that's I needed that warning for me now. (laughs) Hey guys, 200 podcast episodes is a fair few and we have had an amazing time talking with Star Wars from people involved in the films, fans of interest and to be honest, people that haven't even seen the film from all around the world. And if you want to support the podcast and go back and enjoy in full all those episodes, please consider becoming a Steel Wars Patreon for at least a month. For just $3, you get access to our entire back catalogue, full-length episodes, as well as all our bonus episodes, which, just having a look at the feed, is currently at 492, and it grows every week as we do at least one bonus episode each week. Plus, we have live festival episodes and movie commentary episodes, which are pretty timeless. And with Star Wars Celebration coming up, you know there'll be a ton of After Dark bonus content for you guys to enjoy. So for just the price of a mid-ranged coffee each month, you can make sure the podcast can still be produced and enjoy bonus content each and every week. Check it all out at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. The link is in the show notes. We've got the the mic there. If anyone's got like a, a question that you want to know, something extra. Um, I have a quick question. Go ahead. Go ahead. If we're going back to the uh, Michael Jackson of everything, right? So Michael Jackson's on set. The set is Endor, specifically the forest moon of Endor. If he did his signature dance, would it be known as the forest moonwalk of Endor? <laughs> there you go. 
Is that a question? Oh, come on. You were all thinking it. Can someone ask a question of why this guy's got a microphone? <laughs> You'd have to ask that guy. <laughs> okay. There you go. Hey, you got a question? Or you're just going to the bar? What about um, what about merchandise? I was like, like they had the Ewoks cartoon and the Droids cartoon around that same time, and they had Couple figures years and stuff. After, yeah. Did was there any like, as far as I know, there was there was nothing. But I would like, generally, if they brought out figures now, I'd be so up for it. Was there any talk of like figures and merchandise for that stuff back then? Um, I was told by someone that that they had some molds. That Kerner wanted to do some stuff, and then Lucas just didn't want to do them. So at that time, really. So one day, one day, and maybe you never know. They have those competitions where they say, you know, who do you want us to make? Mm. And I think they've made a few of the Ewok, uh, Ewok, uh, Ewoks already. So like Chukatrock or you know the Gorax or something like that. So. Yeah, definitely the Ewoks. I don't think they've made a Gorax. But oh, you know that was I, I. You're right. It was uh that was somebody that made a homemade one that I saw. Gotcha. Because I was sort of googling to see if because sometimes they have like proto you know people have found prototypes and stuff and yeah. they put them online, and I was googling for for merch for it, and someone at Esty had made the horse with the little carriage that you refused to get in. Yeah. That you were they like cl- they called it a. A Polga hut or something like that? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd made that with a little, like, Sindel figure, and it was 50 bucks. And I was like, might have to hit the hit the buzzer yeah. on that one. Hey, have you got a question? Yeah. yeah. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Doing well. Um, so you guys brought up the Gorax just a second ago. Uh-huh. What was it like kind of filming those scenes? Because I'm guessing the Gorax, you know, they had, you know, he was put in afterwards when you guys are or not on set at all. So what was it like filming those scenes, having to pretend that there's this, you know, 12 foot tall giant monstrosity trying to eat you? Yeah, yeah, you're right. They did, they put all those scenes in later. So he wasn't actually there. Um, I did uh, go and see them film some of those scenes so I I could see what the Gorax looked like um, when they were doing it on a different stage, which was nice. And uh, the person in, during one of the takes, uh, the person who was doing the Gorax also could do this that monster sound with his voice. It was like incredible, and and during one of the takes he did that sound. So you know they wanted to do it to scare Sindel and all of us, and that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> the person who a lot of people don't know this because it, it wasn't credited, but John Berg is the person who was in the suit, the Gorax suit. So if everybody wants to know, when you see John, it's John Berg, and he worked at ILM, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah, Star that, Wars. that name is, is, is familiar. Yeah. Anything else? No, that was it. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Like, does it sort of, like, bother you how this has sort of been, like, the films have kind of been swept under the rug and sort of a bit unavailable and un- unreferenced? Um, I don't know. They just seem to have a love-hate relationship with these films, just like the fans sort of do. You got a lot of fans that love the Ewoks and some of them that hate them. Mm-hmm. So, like you referenced in the beginning... So, um, and now uh, with w- what had happened in the past with the Star Wars timeline being so all over the place, what Disney's doing is trying to clean it all up, and that's okay. I, I don't have a problem with what they're doing and cleaning it up and s- sweeping it away and calling it, if they call it Legends material, that's fine, but 
in my book, were still part of Star Wars, regardless. Oh, dude. So um, you, you, if you want to call it Star Wars Legends, that's fine. But we're still there. We were there in the beginning, and the Ewok movies, especially Caravan of Courage, has a, that movie has a lot of heart. And it has still some of that magic that they had when they were doing the first three movies, the original trilogy. And the first so, five minutes of the second one's pretty good as well. It's good. All right? Yes, it is. <laughs> the, um, oh, as being a kid, like it was, like it wasn't a, like that was Star Wars. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that was like, you know, people say not my Star Wars. Like that was definitely part of my experience was sure. watching that film. Like, I, I kind of hope that, you know, they've got this Disney Plus streaming service starting that's going to have, like, you know, all the Disney, you know, back catalogue and all this Star Wars mm -hmm. thing. I, I really hope they, they put it on there. Well, and I then think that would be a great idea. Like, a new yeah. generation can sort of, like, enjoy it. Because, yeah. like, I sort of watched it last night thinking I... Like it was going to tarnish my memory mm -hmm. of it, but I was like, no, no, this is like yeah. a, a charming kids' adventure movie. It's a great kids' movie. It really is. Um, and and Disney's a perfect uh, is perfect for it. That streaming service, I think, would be great. Uh, I know that in the late '90s, they were did the Disney Channel was airing the movies every year during mm -hmm. the holiday season. Um, they did that for like four or five years in a row. They aired it every year, and so it would be great if they brought it back and and. They definitely need the material, so Disney, if you're watching, go ahead and put it on your streaming service. Please do that. Yeah. Now, what are you up there to these days? There are lots of fans. I, I know you've like got a few albums out, and it's sort of like sort of electronic, sort of sci-fi themed music. Yeah, uh, my passion is is music. Now I compose. I'm a composer, and um, my music is vi is like you said, it's electronic. It's most of it's instrumental, mm -hmm. um, like. Um, Tangerine Dream or Vangelis or, or Jean-Michel Jarre. So if you're any a big fan of them, you'll like my music because those guys are my mentors uh, for sure. Um, in fact, one of the songs I wrote was a tribute to one of the Tangerine Dream members. Um, so, and that song's pretty interesting because it starts off on the piano, then goes it takes, then it goes to the, some like mini Moog sounds in the 70s, and then it goes to some FM sounds, and it goes all the way up to now and I'm using at one point I'm using an app on an iPhone uh, to actually and an iPad sorry an iPad to create the sound so it's like a really a history if you listen to that song you'll start from analog to electronic back to analog so um, it's that song is called for Edgar so and it's on my brand new day album yeah I have three albums out so far uh, that I've done, and my first album uh, did the best. It was uh, it did went to number 38 in the UK on the electronic charts, and I think it was in the top 200 here, so it did pretty well. Nice. Um, I have a song on there that's a tribute song to uh, Star Wars. It's called uh, "Return to Endor" is the name of the song, so you have to check that out. And so. the music was on. I got to hear a bit because it was the soundtrack to the. Yeah, the YouTube thing. I did. Yeah, on, and on, it, it sort I of did. fit with it really well. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I used my, uh, and that's what I'd like to do. Since I music is my, my my passion now, I would like to score movies, you know, here in the future. So that you know, that's it would definitely work. I go hand in hand. I would, it would definitely work for me to, to score movies for sure. You so. could score that un unfilmed third Ewok film. <laughs> That's what they need on that Disney Plus. Some but more the Ewok latest, adventures. the latest song I have, I wrote a Star Wars theme song. Uh, it's called 
Dare to Dream in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And it actually has, uh, I'm uh, in, in, in the song, I'm actually rapping, and it has a singer singing the, the main chorus part. So Okay, is that online now? It's, it's available uh, on YouTube, it's available on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, everywhere you could get it and stream it. Again, it's called Dare to Dream in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. It's a dance track, it's an EDM track, and we're, we're getting ready to do, uh, do a music video here real soon. So who knows? I might get the mace suit out again. So nice, nice. Well, we'll put a, a, a link for everyone watching and listening in the show notes, and we'll link to. And also, the best I, place I'm to looking it. for cosplayers for the music video. So if you know a lot of people that do cosplay, hit me up. Because in the song, I talk about uh, in the song. There's a I talk about uh, Chewbacca, Han, Luke, Padme, uh, Leia, and Ray. So I need all those players nice. to come in. Sweet. Well, uh, I, I'm sure if, if you want to, I can, I can link that you would up be great. with, uh, I, I know a guy that dresses up and does karate. So um, <laughs> he, okay. he, he might be the guy for you. He might be the guy for you. Now, um, thanks so much for coming down and chatting. As, as I say, like, it's um, a, a very apt 200th guest is, <laughs> is to have you, Eric. And uh, it's uh, it's been very exciting, and, and brought up a lot of like great memories for you, great. Uh, for me, sorry, um, <laughs> and a lot of bad memories for me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, come on. Good memories. Yeah. Good memories. No, they were, it was a great time. What um? Have, do you sort of keep up on Star Wars? Do you go see all the new films and stuff? Are you kidding me? Of course. Okay. Everybody well, loves Star Wars. You know, I'm a bit. I, I was a fan then. I'm a fan now, and I think what uh, what they're doing. I know there's a big division with the fandom. Mm -hmm. I don't really get it. They're still to me. They're great movies. I mean, I could see, you know, the last one. I could see. I would. There's things in it that I don't like. Without getting into it in any detail, that I would have done differently. But there's nothing out there that's like Star Wars, mm. right? No one's making something that's great still. So it may, you may not be living your childhood and how great, you know, Empire Strikes Back was my favorite movie. may not be Empire Strikes Back, but it's still awesome work. They're working very hard. Uh, I think J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, they're doing a great job. Um, I think he's going to bring it back. I think he's going to take it back home this next time. I have big faith in him. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be really exciting to, to see, and like I'm, you know, obviously I'm a big fan, but I think that um, if he does his job right, mm -hmm. he'll make, he'll loop in the themes of like the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens to, like, make people enjoy those films more. Right. Through how he concludes the story. He's a great storyteller, so mm. I I have full confidence in him. Yeah. Now, before we go, what would be, like, your fondest memory, uh, like, on set from, like, working with uh, the Ewok Adventures? Fondest memory. That's a good question. Um, um, probably um, when George Lucas came up to me and said he saw the dailies, and he was very happy with the work I did. And he referenced that scene, by the way, that I said is my favorite scene. So and he oh, said nice. he, he said it was very good and he really liked and I'm doing a great job, and and also when Ron Howard knew who I was, it's like, hello, you know who I am? You're calling me Eric, you know? <laughs> and even Linda Ronstadt at one point she was even at the rap party and she's saying my name too. It's like these people all know who I am. <laughs> so 
That's awesome. You know I'm picturing that they had a spa at the rap party. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Don't encourage him. <laughs> Please thank our guest, Eric hey. Walker, everyone. Thank you, everybody. And I have goodies for everybody. I brought some CDs and some pictures as well. So nice. I am. Uh, I'm definitely up for a photo. I can. I can tell you that much. Now, uh, how can the good people of the internet um, like follow you on social media and all that sort of good stuff? Quickest way is just to go to my official website, which is uh, EricWalkerMusic.com, mm -hmm. and there you could also find all my social media as well. Okay. So that's just the quickest way to say it. Sweet. Well, all that will be linked in the show notes of the episode. Uh, thank you to the Scum and Villainy Cantina, uh, JC Yay. and all the gang for having us. Thank the producer, Rashad, for all his hard work. Hello. Man. We've got Chris from the Star Wars Underworld on second camera. Geek Girl Diva, our talent booker. Yay. For this episode, anyway. We appreciate that. It really and takes a uh, Ewok village to make this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you to everyone here live and, and listening around the world that supported the show for 200 episodes. It is one of my joys of my life to make the show. So uh, I thank your continued support. And... That's about it. May that force be with you. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Cheers, man. Good job, man. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a Steel Wars video. And if you listen to audio podcasts, make sure you check out the award-winning Steel Wars podcast available at steelwars.com, iTunes, and wherever good or bad podcasts are downloaded. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed that chat with Eric Walker of A Caravan of Courage and The Battle for Endor. Well, the first five minutes of Battle for Endor. A huge thanks to everyone that came out live to support that podcast and of course to the scum and villainy Cantina for providing us with such a, uh, a great and visually suitable venue. So 200 podcast episodes, or if you're a Patreon member, I think it's 493 now this episode's up. Maybe there'll be a bonus one before this one as well, but that's a lot of talking about Star Wars, you guys. I remember when I did my first episode and these guys in Queensland did a podcast where they reviewed other podcasts and... It was Drew and his brother, whose name, this is, all, this is many years ago. Not that many years ago, but it does feel like a long time ago. I lived on the other side of the planet. And yeah, I remember them talking about it, the first episode with Danny McGinley and saying, um, oh, that was good, but I don't think you'll be able to keep it up. He's going to run out of stuff to talk about. And... I didn't, yeah, I wasn't sure if I would or not. <laughs> and 
uh, to be honest. I'm, I'm a little bit nasally, everyone. I've got a, got a head cold, which is great. So I just got worried that you guys would get sick through the microphone and then I realised that's not how it works. Anyway, so um, yeah, I, I guess I proved him wrong and uh, just kept talking about it. And what amazing adventures the podcast has sent me on around the world, all around Australia, around America, you know, into, into deserts in America, um, you know, New York, soon to be Chicago, uh, Orlando, Costa Mesa, <laughs> and, you know, London, uh, Hong Kong. It's, uh, it's been... It's been really thrilling and, and really cool. And there's, there's, there's sort of too many people to thank in a, a thanking like list sort of thing. But I will just say thanks to everyone that made me feel good about doing it. That let me know that they appreciated it. Because I guess that's what people want out of life, to be appreciated and that's the magic of podcasting is that um, you can sit at your desk and, and record stuff into a little microphone and then upload it and then people around the world let you know if they like it or not. And then sometimes they become really great friends. And sometimes it doesn't work out, to be honest, as well. Because, you know... <laughs> As, as Homer Simpson once said, they weren't all happy days. But um, it's been really fun. And, you know, five-year-old me is, is very impressed with making this into a, a podcast that's done at least 200 episodes. So thanks to everyone that um, has supported it, whether it's just making up a download stat or two or buying stickers or retweeting, coming to live shows, sending an email, being a patron, uh, or even for old school listeners, being on Bandcamp. I should point out that if you want to talk Star Wars, and, and you know, Star Wars has changed so much since we've been uh, making this show you know, before Force Awakens and, you know, it hasn't all been good. You guys know what I'm talking about. But if you want a, uh, a cool place to talk Star Wars on Facebook, uh, I don't really mention it that often because I sort of like keeping it pretty low key. But if you want to join the uh, Steel Wars listener Star Wars safe haven on Facebook, there's a link to that at steelwars.com. Or I think it links off the Steel Wars Facebook as well. And um, it's a private group where just calm people post links and and, and talk about Star Wars. And it's really fun. A good good crew of people. So if you want to join, um, there's two questions. Answer the questions. Because I set up the questions so I can know if people are just joining every Star Wars group there is. Or actually listeners. So the questions are... What did I want to happen in episode eight? And come on, guys, ignite the green. And Ben Mendelssohn's nickname. Come on, guys, Mendo. So, 
yeah, make sure you answer the questions and then um, join us. There's, I think there's just under a thousand people in there, so it's um, but it's it's super chill and very rarely do we have a flare up or anything like that. And as you guys would probably know, things have really changed since I started the podcast for me. I'm now married. I now have I now live in America, and I've now got a little boy called Harrison. So um, the, the pressures on my time are pretty intense from when I started the podcast when Jackie was in America and I pretty much started it because I was kind of lonely and had all this free time. I, I now have zero free time. Zero. Zero. Harrison's sleeping right now, so this is why I get to record this. Um, so if you can support the podcast in any way, it, it so helps, whether it's just retweeting whether it's you know sharing on Facebook, in, in forums, buying a T-shirt, coming to a live show, um, or supporting us on Patreon, it, it so helps. And to the Patreon supporters, thank you so much because I would not be able to do the podcast without your assistance because, you know, I, just the amount of free time I have is... It's so small. <laughs> it's, it's quite small. Very small. So thank you guys for that. And you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. Now, to the future. Star Wars Celebration. Daily blog pods coming at you. For the Patreon supporters, we will, of course, have some After Dark episodes, which is the... Um, when things get a little bit rowdy in Star Wars fandom, uh, after the the moon comes out, which are always super fun, and then we've got episode nine, and we're just going to have a great year of getting hyped about Star Wars. It's going to be the best. Thank you guys so much, and may that force be with you. Ben Mendelsohn, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'm just confirming. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.